0: where my handle is at Turkey Hitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 170, Preseason Scouting Public Land with Tony Reynolds. And I am your host, and the guy who had quite an eventful Friday, this past week. So I'll tell you that story here in a second, but right now I've got to tell you that we are 49 days, 7 hours, 44 minutes, and 27 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So to get back to my Friday story, you guys already know that my dad and I are pretty close. He introduced me to hunting many years ago when I was younger And through the sport of hunting, we have been able to spend quite a bit of time together over the years. And having that commonality, even through the years when I probably wasn't very fun to be around in my teenage years, that still brought us together. And it's still something that brings us together a lot today. And so last week, he and I went to West Alabama and looked at a little piece of property that we're considering buying to make into a hunting camp. And so we got down there, looked at the property, left there, went down to our hunting camp for a Friday afternoon hunt. And when I got to my stand, climbed up in there, I'd been sitting in the stand for about, I'd say 45 minutes, and I see a deer pop out into the edge of the food plot that I'm hunting. And she steps on out into the food plot. And I thought I heard a buck grunt, but I wasn't 100% sure. Well, all of a sudden she takes off and she runs a little bit further into the field and stops. And I see another deer pop out at the end of the food plot where she came from. And it was a small six point, probably a year and a half old deer. And he is running her through the woods grunting and he's looking for love. But behind that six point was a spike who's also very interested in that doe as well. And so after all three of the deer came out into the food plot, of course the doe was not all that interested in eating. She was more interested in keeping a little bit of distance between her and that six point. But anytime that spike would get anywhere near, the six point would turn and run at him a few steps, and the spike would take off and run back about 15 or 20 yards and stop and just be on edge, thinking, all right, I've got to leave, but I can't leave, this is too good. And so the six point would turn and he'd go back towards the doe and the spike would come right up there and get maybe five or 10 yards away from the six point again. And the six point would turn around and jump at him and the spike would take off running. And so I got to watch them do that a few times. And that six point was grunting every so often. So that was a pretty cool experience you know, in the part of Alabama that I hunt, we oftentimes don't get to hunt the rut because the rut sometimes comes in so late that our deer season has ended and we miss it. So it's exciting for me to be out in the woods and see a buck chasing a doe, even if it's not a buck that I'm interested in shooting. So that was pretty cool Friday afternoon. And after that happened, I was still sitting in the stand and about. 5:20 in the afternoon I see something come out on the far end of the field where those three deer came out earlier and I looked at it and I thought what in the world is that and then the light bulb went off in my head it was a pig so I let the pig come on out into the field to see if there were any other pigs with it and there were not so I figured it must have been a boar and he nosed around out there in the field for a few minutes and of course the whole time I had the crosshairs on him watching him. And he turned and gave me the shot that I wanted, and I took it, and I put down some bacon Friday afternoon as well. So all in all, it was a great Friday, one of those days that I probably will look back on for a long time and enjoy the memories of. All right, let's talk a little bit of turkey. So today I have an interview for you guys with Tony Reynolds with Reynolds Custom Calls. And we are talking about preseason scouting on public land. Now, you may remember Tony from episode number 126, where Tony was interviewed by the Turkey Hunter podcast intern Cameron, where Cameron asked some turkey hunting pros at a local sporting goods store who was having a turkey hunting show how they would scout a piece of public land. During that very brief interview, Tony gave some great tips and it was pretty obvious to me at that point that Tony hunted public land regularly and I needed to get him on the show for more. So let's get into the interview now. Here's Tony Reynolds talking about scouting turkeys on public land. Listen in and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey everybody, I am very excited to tell you that I have on the phone with me today, Tony Reynolds with Reynolds custom calls and Tony owns a call making shop in South Carolina. And I happen to have a box call or two of Tony's and they sound pretty good. They sound like a sexy Turkey to me, but Mm -hmm. the, I wanted to get Tony on the show today to talk to us a little bit about scouting public land. If you think back to almost a year ago and go back and listen to the episode and I'll tell you guys in the intro what episode number it is, but it's the episode where Cameron, the Turkey Hunter podcast intern, went to a local sporting goods store here in Birmingham and interviewed some of the pros to ask him or to ask them about scouting public land because Cameron had been running into some issues and just didn't know the best way to scout some public land here in Alabama. Well, one of the pros there at Mark's Outdoors Turkey Day event was Tony, and Tony gave some good advice in that, and so I wanted to get Tony on today just to go a little bit more in depth with him about how he scouts and gets ready for turkey season. So, Tony... Thank you for taking time out of making turkey calls today to come on the show with us. How are you, and where are you?
1: Oh, I'm great. I'm here in, at my little shop here in Waterloo, South Carolina. I have uh, about four of my, what I call them, the 413 boys. It's my, uh, it's kind of a, a, a missions shop. It's where I bring in you know, some kids, troubled youth, and I teach them to work and about the Lord, and, and we're throwing sawdust right now.
0: I like it. Good deal. Well, there's a segment in the show that I like to do that I call the rapid fire Q&A. And what I do in that segment is I run through and ask 30 questions just in general about turkeys and turkey hunting. And if you're game to play along, I'll put a timer to you, a stopwatch to you to see how quickly you can answer these 30 and see if you can beat the fastest time out there. Is that something you think you want to give a shot and try to beat a Yankee yet? Hey,
1: I'm I'm game for anything. Throw it at me. <laughs> uh, all right. So
0: Ernie Calandrelli has the fastest time right now and he's at two minutes and forty nine point three four seconds. So you gotta beat a fast talking Yankee.
1: Oh, goodness. I don't know. You know, it's a
0: slow-talking, draw Southerners. Southerners. We, we might have trouble with that. Especially with a slow-talking Southerner reading the questions to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. let's give it a try. Let's give it a shot. Let me get the stopwatch up here. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? Fried. Wild turkey on the rocks, neat, with cola, or with water? Water. Number of grand slams. Two. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? Yes. Have you ever killed a Jake? Yes. A 10-minute successful hunt on a two-year-old or a four-hour long hunt with a clean miss on a four-year-old? Four-year-old. Favorite camo pattern? Mossy Oak. Wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? Dinner. More or less than five strikers in your turkey vest? More. The state you killed your first turkey in?
1: South Carolina.
0: The state you killed your last turkey in? Georgia. Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger, or run and gun for one hour and not shoot. Sit in a blind. Rios or Osceolas? Rios. Rios or Easterns? Easterns. Easterns or Merriams? Easterns. Fields turkeys or woods turkeys? Fields turkeys. Shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight, or beads? Holographic. Rubber boots, leather boots, or snake boots? Rubber. Favorite place you've ever hunted? Texas. Most turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Thirteen. Least number of turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Zero. Out of all the states you've hunted, which state do you think has the most uncooperative turkeys? South Carolina. If you only knew how to imitate one turkey sound to call turkeys, what would it be? Cluck and purr. Best turkey hunter you know, and we'll skip that one and go to a different one. Favorite turkey hunting book? Uh, Earl Mickles. Who taught you how to turkey hunt? Myself, basically myself. Think, think of the toughest turkey you've ever hunted. Did you ever kill him? Got him. Sure did. Do you prefer long, sharp spurs or long, thick beards? Long spurs. The biggest mistake new turkey hunters make? Impatience. Bigger fear during turkey season, snakes or spiders? Spiders. How long does turkey season last in heaven, and what is the bag limit?
1: I think unlimited. All
0: right. I've got, and now I asked you a question and then came back and interrupted you in there before you could answer it, so I made this last a little bit longer, but you still beat Ernie. Oh, You're okay. Two minutes and 48.89 seconds. So you beat him by roughly a half a second. Yeah, a half a second. Oh, man, that's good then.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah well, this is something that stays on my brain, though know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So it's pretty common, you know. So, Absolutely. you
0: know, that's, that's, I appreciate it. Well, you didn't stutter or stammer with any of those answers. They came out and there was no Hesitation at all, so you knew what was going on. Good deal. Well, like I said, I wanted to get you on to tell us a little bit about some preseason scouting and how you go about it. But before I do, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Reynolds custom calls, and how you got into turkey hunting?
1: Okay. Well, I, I started, I was an artist to start with. I went to Ring of School Art and Design in Sarasota, Florida. And I was an, an artist, but I've hunted my whole life. I've deer hunted, and I've seen turkeys when I've deer hunted and all, but I thought they were intriguing. And I had run into an old call maker back when I was a child named Neil Cost. And it just amazed me that you take two pieces of wood and rub them together and make the sound of a turkey. Well, yeah. as I got a little older and graduated from art school and got, got married, and I wanted to uh, I wanted to make a living right here around where I lived at and, and incorporate art, my art, into my hunting. And the way I come about it was, I started a guy named Tim Langston. He made turkey calls, and he asked me to come help him one time. And I was kind of out of in between jobs, and has been a starving artist. And I just started making, them and it just fell into it. I made my first slate call in 1990, and it started from there. And I started just getting a little piece of wood. My first, my first turkey call building shop was a 10 by 10 made with our, built with our tax money. Well, as it went on, the I got in with the NWTF and I started winning awards for my artwork on the calls. I was the very first call company to be called a custom call company. And what that incorporated to me was, it's like ordering a custom gun. You build a turkey call to the parameters of what someone would want you to build. Instead of all the, the only things on the market other than a Cody call was plastic production calls and i Mm. i just seen the need for a good quality sounding call and what i heard in a cody call was a turkey and in the box calls a guy named billy white made a good one so my calls i kind of started standing in that not taking nothing away from neil Call's calls they're great calls but i just wanted to you know being being married and a freelance artist I just wanted to tell my wife, I said, now you want to go to school to be a stockbroker, and I want to make turkey calls. If you'll give me five years, I'll be making more money than you are as a stockbroker. Well, I've never okay. done that. But I did accomplish winning the Grand National Call Builders competitions, the Grand National Champion Box Caller, World Champion. My calls have won every contest that about there, there is to the win, from Chris Parish to everyone using them. And, but the most important thing was that I got, you know, the building calls and and the competition callers used them, but I got to meet so many people. And uh, using a talent that the Lord gave me, I just used my talents and my art. And over the years, it just developed into a passion. And so. Over in the last probably five years, I've committed most of my business, my, my business to the Lord. And so about two years ago, I changed the name of my manufacturing to 413 Industries, which is a a like I said, it's kind of an outreach program for for troubled youth or young men. Anyone between jobs that want to come learn with practice studying about the Lord. And we're building turkey calls. And I've had about 15 graduates now, as I call them. They've went on to bigger bigger, and better jobs. But they've really, they've took something from here, I hope, to make it better in life. But yeah. I am, now we're in the process of building calls for Eddie Salters. And I've designed calls for Woodhaven, Tom Teasers. We've designed and built calls for all most of the major companies now. So we've got a pretty good portfolio going
0: (laughs) yeah definitely sounds like it tell us real quick how can we get in touch with you if we want to buy a call or two from you
1: okay well my website we're finishing it up this matter of fact tonight the guys called me to open it up it's at rentalscustomcalls.com or you can call reach me at on my uh, she custom calls at gmail.com and I'm on Facebook rentalscustomcalls custom calls and we're, I'll be at Mark's outdoors in March at their Turkey day and I'll be in woods and waters on their Turkey day and I'll be traveling through Alabama a lot. So that's kind of my home. I, that's my, I, I call it my home. I, I do. I'm, I have a lot of good followers over there and I try to try to keep up with them.
0: And you mentioned in the rapid fire Q and a that you, Taught yourself how to turkey hunt. So, how did you manage well, all that? It,
1: Just- it, it was I got it. I had for my friend Tim Mason. He had shown me. I went turkey hunting with him, and he had shown me. But I've been a, in the woods my whole life. So, and in turkey hunting, calling is only ten percent of turkey hunting. It is it is knowing your the lay of the land, how to use the woods, woodsmanship. Woodsmanship is the most important part of turkey hunting. Is knowing how to to, to use the, the lay of the land to, like if you're sneaking up on a bird or you try to get closer to how to drop off in a gully or or the way read the way the land rolls and especially if you hunt national forest land where you don't know where you really were yet it's how to read you know the streams and all without getting lost and usually turkeys they work the ridges so I learned to use my woodsmanship for the turkeys and turkey hunting, but it was the call and I had to just get out there and do it. Just, you just go out there and get in the woods and spend a lot of time just to get to know turkeys.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much what I did as well. I had to learn on my own and you know, it took me a lot longer than having a mentor to teach me the ropes. But I think that a lot of the lessons I learned stuck with me a little bit better
1: yes it was yes as you what you know is trial and error and as i learned it that's what you know is but i tell you uh primos was when i started primos had their first video out and i busted watched it 50 times because that was amazing mm-hmm. to me you know because they were the pros to me you know ben rogers ben lee and all those guys they were like you know that and the turkey federation being right here where i'm from was really getting big at that time and i had a lot of Influence they had a lot of influence on me. I got to know a bunch of the people I've gone to Greenwood chapter right here where Neil Koss chapter they called it, and a lot of those guys but the the hands on is far better, even if you're scouting. I mean a lot of people now they scout with their phones they they g p s you know deer hunter or those you know g p s apps you can use that show you the land you can look it over, but it it doesn't take the place of getting out there and walking down through those hollows and those ridges and finding the scratchings and figuring where the turkeys are roosted. And, and that's the fun part. That's the video game part of it really is what I call it because kids nowadays they, everything's a video game to them. And that that was my video game, I guess, right. but that's the challenge. That's the challenge of, of, you know, wit and matching wits with that turkey is, you know, you in his yard, you in his home. So when you're there, you've got to try to put all the pieces together. So that morning when you walk in there, you say, okay, well, there's a big bluff right there. And, and you hoot that evening and he gobbles and you know he's there, but where's he going when he flies down? And you have to you have to be in there to know if there's a gully right there or there's there's not a gully right there. Uh, you know, because I've had a lot of times I used to call and they'd be gobbling, they'd come straight to me and hang up. And, and they just leave, and I walk over there. It'd be a little two foot gully right there, and he wasn't no crossing, you know. Right. And
0: that's just that's just turkey hunting. Yeah, definitely. When do you typically start your preseason scouting, and how do you go about starting it?
1: Well, I hunt national forest land, public land most of the time. I really do. I I get invites to go to places, and I used to pay to go on hunts, but I've been found that over years that these that I enjoyed go back. I, I went back and, uh, you know, went to the old school again. I'll go out and I, I'll i start listening. When people say the turkey's gobbling, I'll get the boys working in the shop and I'll get them set up and then I'll take a golf cart or whatever and go ride on these game management roads in the mornings and just listen to where I find groups of birds gobbling. And I'll start, our season opens March 15. I'll start about about the last week of February. I start mm-hmm. running down there before daylight and just riding the roads listening and Before long, I have several groups of birds, so if I go in on game go in there, there's some car out there I got another group I can go in on, and that's always a good thing to do is have more than one place you know where you're right. listening for birds, definitely when you're scouting a lot I use my golf cart i'm but if you're a healthy young man. It's nothing wrong with it or walking, I mean, or riding a bike. I mean, it's, these game management, our national forests is a beautiful property and you got plenty of birds on it, but some of them, they won't let you ride. You can't ride through, you know, you can't get off the, 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 the gravel roads, but you can, right. it's always good. I I try to cover as much land as these old legs will let me t- cover now.
0: <laughs> yeah. You said you typically will start in South Carolina towards uh, the, the last week or the end of February and season starts in the middle of March. Are you seeing typically a whole lot of movement from the areas where you get some birds located at the end of February and up to the well, point of when season starts?
1: Well what you run into is that they're going to change their pattern about time that the they, they start strutting and they start really getting it's getting on toward the mating season they're in a feeding pattern. They're looking for food anywhere they can find it in February. Mm-hmm. Because it, and what you run into a lot, you got to look at about public land, is that what's around that public land. If there's a if there's a bunch of hunt clubs, they're probably feeding those birds up until the legal time that they have to take the food out. So they're going to pull your birds. They're going to keep the birds on the edge, but you still get to them on, on the National Forest land. But if they're not any – it's like if you hunt hunting a, a large – Game management area of thousands of acres, and they're not getting over there. You're gonna find that they they're gonna be flocked up pretty close. But now they'll move. They'll move on you wherever the food's at. And so you got to be ready for them and try to know, you know, a little bit around the the, the perimeters of your, of the land that you're gonna hunt. What's going on? Because that's a that's a key thing. Because a lot of times your 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 mature timber is gonna be on the national forest land. And they're and the the clubs and all is going to have the smaller pines with the food plots and the feeders going, but they're going to come roost on that public land. Right. Okay.
0: Now, typically, in an ideal world, how many different groups of turkeys or or gobblers are you trying to locate before season starts? What what number is it in your head where you go okay? I've got enough of them marked. I'm ready to. I'm ready for season to start. And I know you would take more than that, or be happy to have more than that. But what's kind of that minimum number of what you're looking for?
1: That's kind of like that too much fun question. <laughs> <You can't laughs> have too much. You can't have too many turkeys located. But as I'm just going to be honest with you, as if I can. If I've got five birds that I can hunt open day, I know I'm going to get on that. And when I go in there, I know at least two of them, somebody else is going to know about two, or at least five. I'm going to have five areas. But I've hunted, where well, i hunt hunted in National Forest land. I've been hunting since I was 11 years old, deer hunting and everything. So I wow. uh, I can almost go and I know a certain hollow, a certain way that I've had luck every opening day. And I don't even have to go listen in some of those places. And I know there are going to be birds close to there, within hearing distance of there. So the more, the longer you you get to know the land you're hunting, the easier it is on you to hunt them because you're going to know where every creek is, every gully, every logging road, every thicket. And you learn to use that to your advantage. Every, every year that you've got under your belt in that area, you're going, it's going to help you. So right. that's, so that's, I'd say five birds. I'm, I'm happy with it.
0: Yeah. Okay. And I think that's important to stress is what you just said. You know, these hunters who are getting out there and maybe they're, hunting a new piece of public land, or new to them, I should say, or even a piece of private land that's new to them, is get out there and do the scouting and make note of it because unless there's some major change, timber being cut, tornado coming through, wiping out timber, causing a bunch of damage, neighbors doing something like cutting timber or things like that, if none of that's going on then typically where we find birds today we can probably find them there next year as well and that's always a good starting point so if we get a few birds marked this year nothing changes there's a good chance there's going to be birds there next year so i think that's you know something people need to keep in mind and not stress out a, a whole lot about you know if they can't get out three or four or five weeks before season starts and and try to get some birds located if they can get out there two or three weeks before season starts and just make some yeah. notes i yes, think sir. they'll be in a lot better shape for next year too
1: yeah that's uh that's that's true now there's a lot of times i'm in the shop or i'm on the road because i've I started hitting the shows and, and visiting my stores here this matter of fact leaving in the morning but I, it'll run slow right up till the opening day of turkey season uh you know I, I i'm gone but i i i check. And if them birds right now, or are, are just if I'm seeing the birds in the area, I know about, you know, from that area where they're going to be. But now, like you said, it, they may move a little bit. They're going to move with the food source. And that's mm-hmm. why it's important just to know that, okay, well, you know, there's been times I've seen, I knew that the public land, the, the public land was on one side and birds was gobbling all over it. But I could hear the feeders going off across the river and they would go straight down and go straight over there. So I just knew, just I was just going to go get on the river between them and that food, <laughs> and it always works. It's easier to call them the way they're going than to call them the way they're not going. To put it that way.
0: Very true. But
1: that's an old. That's an old. Old Neil calls told me that. So yeah, yeah.
0: But now, when you do get a group located, are you staying with that group throughout the morning? And as much as you can with work and family and all that permitting just to kind of figure out where they're going or what they're doing, or are you going from group to group to group, checking them at different periods of the day to kind of see where they are?
1: Well, as I got older, I used to try to kill every bird and every goblin turkey in the forest. It seemed like, you know, you jump from this one, this one, do I want go get this one. I'd jump over there and it was like the old bull and young bull, bull story, mm-hmm. you know, I, now I'm the old bull, and I just sit back. If I can't kill him the way I want to kill him, I won't kill him. Tomorrow's another day, and if right. Lord's willing, I'll be back in the woods and I want to get him. And I want to call. i i hunted a old gobbler one time, and he was, he was an old bird. He was probably six years old. had an inch and uh, five eight spurs, big hook spurs, twenty two, twenty three pounds, and he came down and he would gobble and he, he he would he would just he figured me out every way I moved, and what I did that bird is i named it so once i named him i'm gonna hunt him i'm gonna try to get him it's called a trophy that's what i call my trophy bird mm-hmm. well so anyway i ended up getting him but it was i did it my way I, one day he walked right by me he was i was sitting there just still hunting him and he come by going to roof and i had him and i said you know i'm not gonna kill this bird he deserves on this and i let him go and he flew up well the next morning i got in there and i called him up strutting and drumming a real real beautiful hunt perfect hunt and you know, and it was a lot more worth it to get him that way than to just ambush him. So that that you know, if that answers your question.
0: Yeah. Now, in going back and I guess covering that a little bit more in your scouting, are you trying to stay with that group of birds to figure out where they're going, where what they're eating? You know, kind of following them throughout their day, or are you going from group one to group two and just checking them periodically? You know, say at daylight, then checking them at eight o'clock then checking them at 10 o'clock and noon to see where they're moving. How, how are you doing that? Are you staying with one group or checking multiple groups?
1: Oh, okay. This
0: morning's a scout.
1: Yeah. That, I usually stay with one group because I'm after okay. one bird. That's kind of where I was getting at while I go got off subject, but no, it okay. was, uh, I'll I stay on one group, especially if it's got some good birds in that group. And and with that group, I'll stay with it and see and, and just check and see what it's with. If it's with hens, where they moving, and I'll pat them and I'll stay with that group. But I've still got my mind. I may leave if that group goes over. And I said, Well, they going on. They going in that big bottom over there. Knowing there's no way I can get in there without busting them. I'll move and go try to check some other, maybe find some single birds somewhere, some satellite birds, and I'll go back and get on the, on the main flock. But most time, that's what I do.
0: Okay. All right. Very good. And just so you know, I'll always take a turkey hunting story. It doesn't matter if it's a completely different topic altogether. I'll take a turkey hunting story anyway I can get one. So oh, apologize okay. for sharing okay. a story.
1: I've got so, a, I've, that's 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 uh, that old bird. By the way, his name's O O J. OJ. That's about the time you know OJ Simpson got away. Well This OJ uh, he didn't get away. <laughs> that was it. He just I kept like getting it. away.
0: I like it. Now, was that the bird that you mentioned in the rapid fire Q and A about the toughest yeah, bird that you have Same bird. Heard? Yeah, okay. that's same bird. Yeah, same uh, bird. Boy, those we we never do forget those, do we? No, sir.
1: No, sir. Those are the ones that teaches us. For sure. That's that's right. That's one that uh, you know, and that's that's what makes turkey hunting so good. Yeah. And uh, that's what makes it so worthwhile. But yeah, they the but that uh, there was uh Neil Carlson, and I we hunted the same little piece of game management one time and there was another bird and that's that reminded me of the bird that neil used to tell me the story about his name was gimpy and it had a bent foot and he walked on top of his foot and neil killed him and he gave me one of his spurs to make him a wing bone call with and i made that call for him and that's that's what reminded me of that that story
0: very cool so you mentioned if you're scouting and a group of birds say goes down and into a bottom, and you can't get in that same bottom with them without, them without busting them and having them fly off or spook or whatever, that you'll, at that point, go out and try to locate some other birds, some satellite birds. How are you locating those birds? Are you using strictly locator calls, or are you using any turkey calls?
1: Mostly, what I use, my weapon of choice is a box call. I build a sharp uh, three-note box that i use and I, I yelp on it and cut on it real real hard if you cut on it most of the time he'll if it's not a uh a, 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 it, it's it'll shot gobbling i mean he'll hear it and he responds to that box call a lot better uh, that or a real real high-pitched crystal call just something to, to more or less startle him real quick to make him he just gobbles before he even thinks about it and usually, if their hormones is up on that morning, if this is up and they're out looking for hens and you hit it, he's going to answer you immediately, unless he's got one right in front of him. And that's, that's usually what you run into a lot because game management birds, public land birds, are a little closed mouth. And I found over the last 10 years, turkeys in general are more closed mouth because of the predator problem. Right. And I think they know now that if you gobble too much, something's going to be looking to eat you. And I think they just kind of. They kind of hold back a little bit more.
0: Yeah. So I'm and, I'm gonna kind of get off of preseason scouting for a second because a, a question pops into my mind. When they get to that point where they're more closed mouth, are you typically more aggressive on a call or are you less aggressive on a call?
1: I usually let the bird determine how I call if he's responding to me you know i'll show out i'll just go to if he's everything i throw him, he gobbles at me as long as he's moving when 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 he gets quiet he's either coming or a hens taking him away and i usually if he gets quiet i get quieter if he if he's answering every word and i'm cutting on a box and gobbling at him and he's gobbling and he's coming that's when it puts on the show and it's, it's enjoyable. But if he gets quiet and that means a hint, because when he starts gobbling, he's go, she's going to him. If his hand's around, she's gonna go to him and shut him up. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I try to keep. It's, it's like I tell people when I got him. You want to hear him gobble? Do you want to kill him? It's, you got two questions right there. I mean, I can make him do gobble every breath, but he might be going the other way with his hand. But what you do is when let that bird determine how you call. If I. If I'm near a bird, and it's, it's right at daylight, and he's on a limb, and I I tree yelp to him, and he gobbles, and I yelp at him, and he don't gobble back at me again, I know that bird, you better be quiet. He's either looking at mama on the limb beside him, or he's been shot at, or he's he's call shy. Mm-hmm. So, but if he's gobbling at every bird that tweets, and every time you hit the call and he's gobbling, he's responsive. You can work him. But you have to determine, I kill most of my big old birds on game management about ten o'clock in the morning I'll locate him and I'll move away. He'll go away from me, won't won't respond to whatever. I'll go back into that area and I will cluck and purr and scratch on a ridge or something near him and be ready because all you gonna hear next is a spit and drum. I mean he may not even gobble till you coming in, but I've killed a lot of my bigger and older birds just doing that because they're they, that's how they got that big and old.
0: Yeah. All right. So going back to scouting now, when you're Locating those satellite birds, and you're using that box call. Are you just getting one gobble or two gobbles out of them? Kind of marking that location in your head, and then getting out of there. What are you doing to keep from having that turkey run in there on you? Well,
1: most of the time I'm hunting him. That's what I want him to do. But I, it's the, it's if I'm locating them before season. If I'm doing it before Mm -hmm. season. I usually let, I don't use a turkey call then. I, I don't know if I misunderstood what you meant while okay. we go. When I leave that bird, I was hunting. That was a hunting scenario. If I'm working that big bird and he's with his group of hens and all, and I'm watching what he's doing, I'm hunting. I am just. I'm, I know he's not going to come right then. If I can't convince the hens to come to me, I'm, I'm going to try to get him. I'm going I'm to back out of there, and I'm going to try to hunt another bird. Now, if okay. I'm locating, uh, if I'm locating, a lot of times, I won't use a turkey call. No, no, sir. I don't want them to know that the sound of my turkey calls when I'm. I just I'm quiet. I just go through the woods, and if I'm gonna use anything, a lot of times I'll use it early in the morning or whatever. I use a coyote yelper. I just is. Uh, you can buy these three calls. It's like a woodpecker call, a peacock call, a coyote, a right. hawk. It's just a, a, a whistler is What I call it. And I'll just, we just make any kind of noise in in early to get him to gobble. But uh, the best thing, if I'm not, if preseason, I'll use is a crow call. A crow call is your best, to me is the best locator call there is because I hear them crows every day and crows cannot stand a turkey. He's going to make, he's going to get on that turkey's head every time he, he sees one. So I use a crow call more than anything. Okay.
0: All right. And when you do locate these birds. What are you? How are you keeping up with them? Are you just taking a, a map and kind of marking a marking the spot on the map? Are you using your phone? Are you just writing some I, notes down in a notepad? How do you keep up with it personally? Usually, personally,
1: I just keep I just in my memory. I just you know from here to there. But uh, if I get back and I'm on game management, I'll pull my map out and I'll mark a little spot on it. He you knows this, but most of it I'm I'm not gonna have too many that I can't you know, remember them and that will way, you know, but it's, a, it's, it's good to always take notes. Uh, people now I'm not as phone savvy as some people. I got, I had a friend of mine, he could, he done everything. We've said, oh yeah, that's Mr. Bob Smith's land right there. And it's while we walk through the woods, he's, he knows even who owns the land. And, you know, he could tell me right, he could show us on, you know, show me right where we were at. And I'm doing it by memory, you know, but that's a, right. uh, that's a good thing. I think if you can use your phone and you're that savvy, that that's, there's nothing wrong with any technology that you can use. Just don't depend on that technology without getting out there, get hands on in those woods and learn those woods.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now, before you and I started the interview, I told you I had one hard question, one really tough question for you. And that one question we're going to pretend that no one who hunts the same public ground that you hunt is listening to this and there's a chance no one is but what is the one scouting tip or technique that you hope that other hunters who are hunting that same ground that you're hunting will never find out
1: when the birds get quiet and everybody has kind of left the roads you don't hear the gravel popping in the mornings as much you the season is dying down, and I still know uh, there's some big birds in the area, and even though they're quiet, and I know they're in there. One thing that that's when I kill, like I said, most of my biggest birds is uh, a series of calls and a certain turkey call that I built that I put in my, my bag that I hope the other call makers and all don't find out about because it it produces more turkeys than than, than any of the others that are out there, even though I sell this call, but I just don't show everybody how to use it this way.
0: Right.
1: So I, I think it would be just, uh, it would be that I hope all of them don't have as much patience as I have. <laughs> if oh, you can understand good. what I'm saying, that's yeah. it. Because it's a lot of times I've had to sit in the woods and let people get out of the woods before. The, and let that turkey calm down before I get them. Walk, I've had people walk by me two or three times trying to get that one bird and all the turkeys going from ridge to ridge to ridge. The turkeys ain't leaving the area. they just moving. They they can hear the guy walking in the leaves from ridge to ridge. He's, the turkeys know his area. He said, I'll just go over here and hide in this thicket and let them walk by. I've had turkey – I had a big gobbler one time. Was I was watching this on game management, and they'd clear-cut an area, and it grown up, and it was a big – a long road went down – and it was a turnaround and a big patch of briars right at the end of that little cul-de-sac. And uh, thin, the, the pines were thinned, and the bird was gobbling. I had him there, and he, I said, he's going to come right up this road to me. He was 250 yards from me. And as I started working the bird, and I kept him gobbling too long, and I had I had a hunter coming up on the left side of the bird and a hunter up on the right side of the bird. bird was gobbling, and all of a sudden the bird just got quiet, and he walked in that little group of probably a of. 25 yard square of nothing but blackberry briars thicket he walked right up in that and one hunter popped up on one side of the other and called the other one up and i was watching this mm-hmm. and they just talked to each other a minute and they left the bird was right in those but right in that thicket right in that briar patch right between them and they walked off went back their separate ways and i waited an hour and i seen him when he come out and i, I clucked twice and he went in a strut and strutted all the way up the road and i killed him he weighed 24 wow. pounds. This is his own game management. And it's, it took me two and a half hours killing. But yeah. if I wouldn't have seen that bird, I would have thought he was way gone. I would have never stayed there with them people walking around. And it just taught me a lesson that, you know, is, is be patient because these animals live in these forests every day. That's their home. And they have little hiding places, little relief places. And to learn those places where they go when they're quiet is most important.
0: Right. Yeah. We need to keep in mind that they've got nothing else to do. That's right. All they've got to do is survive. So, That's right. you know, we lose sight of that because we have stuff to do. And That's right. One of my favorite things when I'm in our hunting camp is hearing one of the guys go, Oh, I'm going over to field number three because I've got pictures of a big deer on the camera back behind that field. And I said, well, why don't you go to field number six? Because you're just as likely to kill that deer over there. Well, I got him on the camera right here at field three. Why would I go to six? I'm like, well, field six is a better field, and it's a half mile away from field three. What makes you think that that deer's not gonna come over there and go into field that's six? Right. He's got nothing else to do. It doesn't take him thirty minutes, fifteen minutes to walk a half a mile.
1: That's right. So, that's right.
0: And you, know, and you know, we have a we have
1: a tendency not to realize that. We go, okay, well, my turkeys are roaming two miles. well, that other man's turkeys are roaming two miles too that's
0: right
1: so so when they leave when the turkeys when well my turkeys are going over there the I know they're baiting over there with it well, they're over here too they and deer, deer, and all they 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 move, and as you're going pull it, you going to see as many of their deer and turkeys as they do of yours, and a lot of people they they get mad Say, so, oh there was somebody hunting here yesterday morning. Well, that turkey might not have been here yesterday morning. You know, they, they lose their confidence in their area time they see either another hunter or they don't hear nothing. Well just maybe it wasn't saying nothing that morning. You always patience. That's the most important thing, with your hunting area also. If you know birds are there, if you see in tracks, you're seeing fresh scratchings, and you're hearing birds every now and then, it they're there. It's just, you know, they just not as they're not gonna most of the time play to our game. We're gonna have to be patient. That's right. Yeah.
0: Well, I've got one other question for you, and it's, again, not really related to scouting, preseason scouting, that is. It's it's more related to hunting, and I want to get you on, if you're agreeable and and you can spare another 30 or 45 minutes one day, I want to get you on to talk some more advanced public land strategies. What do we do when those birds get locked jaw and get pressured and are not acting like they do the opening day of season. And we know that they, they do change as the season wears on. So the question I have for you though, is that I, and I'm going to ask you now, cause I may forget to ask you when we do that interview. Okay. And you just touched on it. How, let's say you, you go into an area on Thursday, public land, got a bird goblin in there. You go in there, you hunt him, conditions didn't work out right, you don't kill him. Maybe Friday you go out there and there's a car there or a truck there, so you decide to go somewhere else. Saturday you go over there, there's a vehicle parked over there, you decide to go somewhere else. Sunday the same thing. Monday rolls around and you got the place to yourself again. You go in there and you don't hear the turkey. Tuesday you go in there, you don't hear the turkey. How long are you going to continue to go to that spot before you say one of those three hunters that was in there that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday killed that bird.
1: Yeah, that would be kind of tough because well, you're gonna assume that he's dead, you know. But what I what I do is a lot of times when I'm like that, if I'm on a bird, I walk in there and there's a, as a probably a dominant bird and he's he's hammering on the ridge and I listen to him and he leaves. Well, if I go in there again and he hammers and he leaves, he's most likely with a hen. And where are they going? That's the question. Because the next time I come in, if there's a vehicle there, I'm going to go find that other, the direction that he left out on, on me, I'm going to get over there. And if that man calls, he liable to call that bird right to me. If that hen takes him away and they, she left the same way, and I'll, I'll, that's, I'll tell you a little story here in a second about the way I use that to hunt, but that's what I'll do. I'll change my strategy, and I'll move down six, 700 yards away from and get on another ridge in the direction I heard them birds go. Hopefully, whoever's in there, do, if that bird does the same thing and he starts calling that bird, he don't know that they're going, going out that way, and I'll be over that, that way. And it's just, that's determined whether you want to kill him your way or you want to kill him? I mean, that's that's the that's the question. And I'll tell this story, just a little quick story here. Mm-hmm. I hunted a big bird in Bamberg, South Carolina, on a piece of property. A big double-beard bird. And the guy had been hunting him all year. Said, you can't kill him. You can't call him to you. Tony Reynolds, I don't care if you make turkey calls, you can't call this bird to you. He's uncallable. I said, oh, we can get him. And he said, uh, well, I, he's in his field. He flies down the little field. You get on one side, he goes out the other. You get on that side, he goes out the other. I said, so I said, which way is he going? He said, well, he leaves out right, right out the other side of the field. So we came in that morning. I put him down on one side of the field, and he said, well, he's roosted over there. We, we heard him uh, he heard him gobble the night before. So I said, you get right here. And he looked at me like, oh, you think it's going bird? kill this bird? And you won't? I said, you just sit right here by this tree. And I eased over there, and I got on the other side, which the turkey was roosted on. The turkey gobbled four or five times on the roof, it got daylight, and I tree yelped twice. And the turkey flew straight in the middle of the field and gobbled all the way to that guy, killed him on the other, line, other tree line. So I mm-hmm. called the bird away from me to him, but that's what he had told me the bird had done. So a lot of times on birds like that, and I don't, and if I'm, I double team, my brother and I or my hunting buddy of mine, we double team birds like that because the fact being on game management, they can travel so far that we double team them. Uh, You go get where he's going. I'll call to him, go to him. And if you've got a hunting partner, that's the way I would hunt him, hunt birds like that.
0: Okay. That's a good strategy that I think that, you know, a lot of people don't try out to see if it works. I mean, what do you have to lose? That's right.
1: That's right. And it works for deer too. I mean, a lot of times I'll find a big buck and I won't see him. And he's got so much ground to cover. I just take a, we and my buddy, we we double team him. I mean, the wind can change, whatever. It's just, uh, hunting buddies is that's what they're for. I mean, you know, it don't matter if I get to pull the trigger, you put, we got, that, we got a trophy deer, a trophy turkey. And that's where people lose. Cause a lot of times hunters have big egos and our egos won't let us get animals.
0: <laughs> that's right. It.
1: That's it.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, cause exactly. if my if, if my turkeys or deer could stuff me and put me on a wall, I'd be a good trophy. I promise. you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, That's awesome. Well, Tony, I want to thank you for, again, taking time out of your busy day making calls and to come on the show and share a little bit of your knowledge of preseason scouting on public land with us. And I would love to get you back on sometime in the not too distant future to talk about some of those later season public land strategies on what we can do to fill a tag on public land when those birds do get locked jaw. And so, Let's see if we can get a time book for that. But thank you again for coming on the show.
1: I sure do appreciate you giving me this time with you. And I just want everybody when you go to the woods, remember who allows us to be there. And that's my father,
0: Jesus Christ. That's right. Thank Bye. you. Good. You're deal. welcome, buddy. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Okay. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Tony. Did you get the same impression from listening to Tony that I did? He seems to have this very unassuming confidence or coolness about him when he's talking turkeys and turkey hunting does he not he seems to have this sense of always knowing what to do at any given time i mean like if you were hunting with him and he said get up off the ground and run away in the opposite direction of the turkey this gobbling, you'd probably do it because tony said to do it so <laughs> maybe i'm crazy And you guys didn't get that feeling. But regardless, I think that there are a few tidbits to pick up on from this interview that we can use that will help us do some preseason scouting and hopefully have a little bit more success this turkey season. And I hope that the interview got some of you guys, especially those of us in the South with seasons opening in 45 to 60 days. Excited about getting out and doing some scouting. I'm excited about it, but we also have three more Saturdays of chasing whitetails to do as well. So, when deer season ends, there will be some weekends with a shotgun slung over my shoulder, walking around in the woods, looking for bushy tails. But, I know me and I'll end up with my eyes on the ground a lot more than i will eyes in the trees because as much fun as squirrel hunting is you guys already know that i'm a little bit crazy about turkey hunting so i'll be looking for turkey sign while i'm using squirrel hunting as an excuse to be out in the woods so that's all that i have for you guys for this week but i still need your help with two things The same two things this week that I needed from you last week. And I'm going to be pulling the plug on those two things very soon. So I need you to go out and complete the survey, the listener survey for me for 2017. It's our end of year 2017 listener survey. And it's very quick to do. Takes about two minutes of your time. It helps me tremendously because it tells me a little bit more about you guys and a little bit more about what you need to be better turkey hunters. So, to complete the survey, just text the word HELP2018 H-E-L-P 2018. Text that to the number 44222. From there, I'll send you instructions on what to do to get a link to the survey. You can complete the survey on your mobile device. I mean, literally, it took me about two minutes and 10 seconds to fill this survey out. It is very easy to do, and it's very easy to do on your phone or tablet. So help me out. Help me help you, as I like to say. The second favor that I need from you this week is to please email me your show topic ideas. If you've got an idea for a show... Or you have someone that you would like me to interview for the show. Then send those ideas to me. Send those names to me. I will add them to the list and do everything I can to make that happen. My email address is andy at I dot com. andy at iamturkeyhunting.com. You can make that email as short and sweet as you want. Or as detailed as you want. But send those ideas over to me. I always like hearing from you what you want to hear from me. So thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast.